We'll get into the message now. And uh, let me see where I want you to turn. First John chapter 1, please. First John chapter 1. And we're continuing our series on sustaining life. And we are spiritual beings having a temporary human experience. So our bodies are going to wear out. And there's nothing that you can do about it. They're going to fail us eventually. And we're the only creatures who touch both worlds. The natural world and the spiritual world. And for our physical bodies to live, we cannot neglect the things of the natural world that keep us alive. And God has given us those things that will help our natural bodies. It says from the earth that He brought forth those things that would sustain our life because we have a physical body that needs to be sustained. But we also have a spiritual body that needs to be sustained as well. That it needs to find its source of life as well. And so we have the Word of God to feed on and to nourish us and and all the things that go in the spiritual uh, habits, the spiritual things that we need to do to make sure that our spiritual life is growing and becomes stronger and stronger. And you have to understand that balance and moderation go a long way in both of these. Balance and, and uh, moderation in the natural, balance and moderation in the spiritual as well. In Genesis chapter 2, I know I told you, told you to go to First John. Just go there, I'll get to there in a second. Genesis 2, 15 to 17 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And we mentioned this the last time, that, um, and, but I just want to visit it in a different light. <clears throat> it brings us to the point we need to understand that we need to be born again. Because when he talks about you shall surely die, it wasn't a physical death that they experienced when they fell, but it was a spiritual death. And that spiritual death was a separation from their communion with God, from their union with God. And so their spirit was cut off from God who made them. And so that's why we have a need to be born again. And that brings us to John chapter 3. And I know I told you to go to 1 John chapter 1. Stay there. John chapter 3, verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And so, if we're not born again, we can't see the kingdom of God. There, there's no way to be able to enter into it. There's no way to have any part of it. Verse 4, Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, <coughs> excuse me, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter 
the kingdom of God. And so the first one is seeing the kingdom of God. The other one is entering the kingdom of God. Verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And so when Adam ate of the forbidden fruit from the tree, he died just as God said. But the death again was not physical, but it was Adam's spirit being separated from God's spirit. (coughs) And previous to the fall, they were in 100% communion and union and fellowship, however word you want to use to describe it, but they were one with each other. Before the fall. Uh, If you want to call it fellowship, which we're going to call it fellowship, but I want you to know, fellowship encompasses all of that. Now, the other thing that I want to make sure that we understand is that when they fell, they were still related to God. Okay, They just weren't one with Him. If you've been married and you have done something wrong, then there comes a time when you may still be related, but life isn't good. And you may have siblings that uh, you're related to them, but you don't have relationship with them. You don't have fellowship with them. You don't have union or communion with them. And so it is with this that even though they fell, they were still related to God, but their relationship has changed. And God sent Jesus to take care of that, to bring us back and to make us one with Him. I said this last time, and I'll say it again. Sin separates. Sin separates. When Adam sinned, he was separated from God. Now, on the flip side of that, when God separates, it's good. When sin separates, it's bad. And we'll get into that later on down this series. But I just wanted to kind of plant that with you. Now, so sin separates. And the reason that that's not good is because it separates us from God, from His presence. And when Adam sinned, he became separated from God. When God came down to talk to him, Adam was afraid because now he didn't understand and recognize the presence of God. So when we lose that fellowship with God, that union with God, because of sin, they lost it, we lose it. We lose it with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But if we have received Jesus Christ, and we've received the forgiveness that He offers, then we are one with Him. 
But because we live in this fallen world and because our bodies are not perfect and we choose, we have a choice, we have a will, we are going to fail. We are going to make mistakes. We are going to sin. But God has a remedy for that. And God wants us to be in right relationship with Him, in right fellowship with Him. And so He has a remedy to keep us in that even when we sin. Now, in 1 John chapter 1, when, when you read 1 John, you have to understand He's writing to believers. He's writing to those who are already born again. He's not writing to the world. He's writing to us. Okay? So that we find ourselves in 1 John chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 5. I would encourage you to read all of it because it's only five chapters, but they're full of life and power. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you that God is light. And in Him is no darkness at all. Now, I would encourage you to make sure that you understand that. Because whenever you go to walk in darkness, don't blame it on God. If you choose to walk in the ways of the world, you cannot blame that on God. You cannot even blame the results on Him. Verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with Him, meaning that we're one with Him, while we walk in darkness, we lie. Everybody say we lie. So in other words, this is what he's saying. If we say that we're walking with God and we're walking in the light, but we're really walking in darkness, we're walking in sin, we're engaging in sin, then we lie. Okay? He says, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Again, may I remind you, he's talking to us as believers. He's not talking to the world. Okay? Let me read that again. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If, verse 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. Now, the enemy has distorted the true identity of God and has lied to us about telling us that as soon as we sin, as soon as we make a mistake, God is going to throw down the hammer on us and he's going to make life miserable for us that he's going to wipe us out that's the furthest from the truth and that's not what first john chapter 1 verses 5 to 10 talks about however this is how i want to explain it to you if you have given your life to jesus 
and you are dressed and you go out on a day like today and you find a mud hole and you go pouncing in it, what is going to happen to you? You're going to get dirty. You're going to get muddy. Okay? Now, here's what we have done. We have done that. We have given our life to Jesus, but we have gone out and we have played in the mud pile. And then we come back to Him and we tell Him, even though we have mud all over us, we tell Him, well, I didn't get muddy. I don't know what you're talking about. Everybody can see the mud. You can smell it. Have you ever smelt mud? It doesn't smell good. Unless you're a gardener. And then that's not mud. But if you do that, and you continually come back to Him and say, well, I haven't sinned. We lie. When everybody else can see that we're muddy, and we declare that we're not, we make him and everybody else a liar. But John tells us that there's a remedy for our muddy clothes. And part of the remedy is not jumping in the mud puddle. Okay? The other part is coming to him and confessing and repenting. And that's what John talks about. He's saying in verse 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just. Everybody say just. To forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from any unrighteousness. And so what He's going to do is, if you will stay with Him, He will send you into a different direction away from the mud holes. You see, I, I think I know that the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us. And when He leads us and guides us, He'll lead us into all truth and life and the way. So part of our confessing and then the cleansing comes from, and we, we need to teach our children this at a young age, to obey our voice because the Holy Spirit will speak to us and He'll say, you know, I don't want you to go to that mud hole anymore. And then you say, well, what am I going to do then? How am I going to have any fun? Well, first of all, you didn't have any fun in the mud hole. All you did was get dirty and stink. And so the Holy Spirit will lead you in a different way. He'll lead you to a different lifestyle. He'll lead you in a way that will take you away from that mud hole. Maybe you are meeting friends at that mud hole. So maybe he's going to give you new friends. But if we will listen to the Holy Spirit, he will move us out of that. But we have this notion in our minds that when we sin, God is just going to come down on us and there's no hope for us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's known as the love chapter. And it's usually shared at weddings. 
And it's applicable to that. But it's more applicable to understand that that's the heart of God. Love is kind. It is patient. Long-suffering. You know, and he goes on the list of all that love is. And it's great in a marriage, but it's also for us to understand that's how God is to us. And he's not sitting around thinking that we're just rotten people and I should have never created you. You know, which are the thoughts that we have, too, about us. Well, I keep going to that mud hole. There's nothing good in me. That's true. But, you know, if you'll give your life to the Holy Spirit, He'll lead you away. There is hope. But we just have this thought that God is after us. He's out to get us. And as soon as we make a mistake, He's going to pounce on us. So this morning, I just want to finish up with reading a few scriptures. And it's only a few, and it breaks my heart that it only has to be a few because I would like to be able to do a lot more, but there's always next week. But here's some examples. Psalm 103. And if you don't know Psalm 103, I highly recommend that you memorize it. Teach your children this. Psalm 103, verse 8 says this. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Now, I do want you to understand, it doesn't mean that he won't get angry. It just means that he's slow to anger. You keep going to the mud hole, he's going to get angry. You keep denying him, he's going to get angry. Verse 9, he will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as, the, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him. And verse 14 is probably one of my favorite parts of this set of scriptures. They're all good, but I just love this because, well, let me read it. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. And so when I remind myself of that, I always remember that without God in us, we aren't much. There's nothing really good in us. All we are is some mud. But it's not the mud that gets us in trouble. It's when we take this mud to places without God. Without His leading. Without His prompting. There might be good in the world according to the world standards. But there's not good in the world according to God's standard. According to His righteousness. And we aren't going to be judged according to the world. Because in our minds, what we do sometimes is we, we find people that are doing worse than we are. They're sinning worse than we are. They have a bigger mud hole than we do. 
And we compare ourselves to them and we say, well, I'm not that bad. So God must be okay with me. Don't push your luck. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Or do you presume on the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? And so even though God is the way, even though God is this way, when he doesn't, where He doesn't come down hard on us right away, but He is kind and He is patient towards us. And He gives us time to repent and change our ways. But there will come a time when we will reap what we have sown if we don't confess and repent quick enough. I remember hearing a story of a pastor and somebody came to him and he said, you know, why does so-and-so always get blessed so fast and I know that they're in sin? And the pastor said, because they're also quick to repent of their sin. And not that they're trying to keep on doing it, but they're trying to get out of it. But when they get in it, they repent of it right away. They confess it right away. We have a tendency to just wait and see, well, how's God going to respond to this? Don't wait to see how God's going to respond to this. When you know it's wrong, it's wrong. If it's contrary to His Word, go away from it. Don't keep walking in it. Ephesians chapter 2. And this is when he's talking about how awesome he is and all that he's done for us. We're kind of in the middle here. Ephesians 2, 7. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. And again, I love this one because... Immeasurable riches means that you can't measure it. You can't measure the riches that are found in Christ in His grace, in His kindness toward us. That's awesome. For by grace you have been saved through faith in this not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Now, when you read these scriptures, it makes sense to understand that God is not out to get us. And where is the kindness that he's speaking of found? Where is the immeasurable riches of grace in kindness found? It's found in Jesus Christ. It's found in him. And again, he says, and even this grace, it's the gift of God. Titus chapter 3, please. Titus chapter 3. Now, before I read this, I want you to know I'm going to talk about every one of you in here. I'm going to read your life history. You ready? Titus chapter 3, verse 3. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy. Hated by others and hating one another. Got everybody, didn't 
Verse 4. But. Everybody say but. But when the. Goodness. But when the goodness and loving kindness. Of God our Savior appeared. He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness. But according to his own mercy. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Being born again. That's me putting that in there. Whom he poured out in us or on us richly. Through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that being justified by his grace. We might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now, when I read that, it doesn't sound to me like God is out to get me. And we need to be a people who are so grateful and thankful and remembering of His grace and His loving kindness and His mercies towards us in Jesus Christ. And because of that, as we remember how good God has been to us, we ought to do everything According to our power, everything that we can muster up, not for works to be saved, but because of his grace, because of his goodness, because of his loving kindness towards us, we ought to become everything that he's called us to. We ought to agree with him to cause our lives to come into agreement with his plans and purposes for us. We ought to begin to neglect everything that holds us back from becoming everything that He's called us to be. Because of His grace and His mercy. Because He doesn't remember our sins. Because He doesn't treat us the way our sins deserve. We ought to do everything humanly possible to be in agreement with Him. The problem with sin, my sin, your sin, everyone's sin, and yes, we all have it, is that it separates us from fellowship with God. Do you know that we are the only created things made in the likeness and image of God? Nobody else has this privilege that we have. Nothing else is out there that had this. And so God created us with the intention of being one with us. Him being one with us and us being one with Him. And having that fellowship. Having that relationship with Him. That's the desire of His heart. That we would be one with Him. That we would be united with Him again. That our spirits would be made alive and that we would not be separated from Him any longer. He desires to have a people that He can love but also a people who will love Him back as well. Because we choose to love Him back. God desires that we have an ongoing relationship with Him and not a Santa Claus relationship. Not a doctor relationship. Not an automobile mechanic relationship. You know, the Santa Claus and the doctor and the automobile, the only time you see them is when there's trouble in your life. Or when you're begging for something from Santa Claus. 
That's not the relationship that God is after with us. God's heart is to be in relationship with us where He loves us and we love Him in return. And since there is no sin in Him, He can't have a relationship with us when we have sin. And so from the very beginning, God created a plan of salvation through Jesus Christ so that after man chose to walk away from Him and walk in sin, when we turned our back on Him, we could come back to Him and be made in right relationship with Him again through Jesus Christ. That's why God sent Jesus. That's why Jesus came. And that's why Jesus gave Himself to the cruelty of the cross so that we could once again become one with the Father. One with God. But only as we choose. You see, you can know about this. You can know about salvation. You can know that God loves you. You can know that He sent Jesus to die for your sins, to forgive you. But you can choose not to walk in that. God has done everything possible to bring us back into a secure relationship with Himself as our Father. Jesus as our Son, as our brother, and the Holy Spirit as everything that He is. A helper, help, helper, comforter, standby, all of it. Stand with me if you will, please. That is God's desire towards us. That we're one with Him again. That we're reconciled to Him. That our sins are forgiven so that we can be in right relationship with Him again. That's what being born again means. But being born again is not the highlight. Being born again is just the beginning. But being born again is necessary to an ongoing relationship with God. To being in a relationship that you know that you are loved. The best life that we will ever live is a life lived for God. Walking with Him, walking in His ways as the Holy Spirit leads us, as the Word leads us, that's when we will find our best life. And I pray that we take advantage of that and we find it. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for this day and the love that You have for us. And we thank You for this time together. We thank You for the wonderful time of worship. And we thank you for your word that leads us and guides us. And Father, I pray that you would continue to pour out your word upon or your spirit upon us. Open up your word to our hearts and minds. And Father, cause us to come into agreement and alignment with your word. Teach us to cooperate with you in your leading, that we're not obstinate but we're willing to walk with you. 
And Father, we thank you that you're not sitting there waiting for us to make a mistake and write us off. But you're good to us. You're kind to us. You have loving kindness. You're long-suffering, and we thank you for that. But Father, we, want, we don't want to test that and wear it out. So help us to be a people who are quick to repent, quick to confess our sins, that we would be made one with you, that we, our fellowship would be right back intact with you. And we ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. And Father, thank you for this food and the opportunity to celebrate Brian. Thank you for the gift and the joy that he is. Thank you for bringing him into our lives. We ask that all would be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen.